This is a podcast about Duchenne muscular dystrophy, a genetic progressive disease mainly affecting boys. Every year, 10 boys in Sweden are born with Duchenne. The earlier you find out, the better the prognosis. In this podcast series, you will meet different experts on Duchenne muscular dystrophy. In this episode, Professor Thomas Eijersen talks about early diagnosis. What is Duchenne muscular dystrophy? Duchenne muscular dystrophy, it is a progressive uh, rare disease that affects uh, boys. So uh, affecting only boys, it's an inherited disease. So the the cause is uh, a mutation that is a change in the genetic material for uh, the gene encoding one of the largest proteins that we have in the body. It's called dystrophin. And dystrophin is a protein that is uh, essential for proper muscle functioning. It uh, gives stability to the muscle fiber. And without dystrophin, you have an increased tendency to to break down of the muscle. That's a dystrophic process. But apart from uh, being important in skeletal muscle, giving weakness of the muscle, it is also important for um, cardiac function since the heart is also a muscle, actually also a smooth muscle, uh, so it can give symptoms from from, uh, intestines, for example. And lastly, it uh, appears also to be important for the uh, central nervous system, for brain functioning. So in many cases, not at all in all cases, but in many cases, there may be affection also of... uh, Uh, ability to learn, and uh, also some neuropsychiatric uh, aspects, such as behavioral um, uh, disturbances. So it affects many organs. Exactly. It it really affects a lot of organs. So yes, it is what we would call a multi-organ disorder, actually. Can you describe the symptoms? The major symptoms, it goes back to the skeletal muscle, that's the, the normal muscle function. That, that is the, the uh, main area where you see the symptoms. And, and the first symptoms that uh, you usually see, that is uh, that after having followed a normal or near normal early development up to one year or so, there may be a le- delay. Maybe a slight delay, not so much, but a slight delay in uh, starting to walk. But after that, it becomes more and more clear that the development of the motor function, it deviates and is slower than from uh, peers of the same age. How does that show? The difficulty in walking, it is usually seen around three years of age, around that that time. Uh, And uh, it can be noted earlier too, but it is more clear around that age. And then you can see it by uh, more unstable walking, more of a waddling gait. It can be more difficult to raise up from sitting or lying up to standing. It's more difficult to jump and um, perhaps also more frequent falls than would be expected for the age. These are the most typical early symptoms. And how does it progress? The progression, the normal progression, if we, if we would see what would be the course of the disease without any treatment, uh, you usually 
lose uh, ability to walk uh, before the age of 10. So eight, nine years of age has been the historic uh, time when you lose your ambulation. And uh, after that, it continues to, to uh, progress and uh, all the muscles of, of the uh, body will become more and more engaged uh, and that will affect uh, finally also the, the muscles that uh, are responsible for breathing. And uh, if they are affected, th then you really come into a situation that, that can be threatening for, also for life because you really need these muscles to breathe. And uh, if they become too weak, you will have problems with uh, respiratory insufficiency and also with an increased risk of uh, low respiratory tract infections like pneumonias because you can't pro cough properly. And if you can't cough, you can't get rid of uh, secretions and, and thereby you increase your risk of, of pneumonia. So that, that is actually one of the greatest risks historically when it comes to, to life expectancy, that is the respiratory function. But also cardiac function becomes affected. And um, nowadays we, we really focus very much on prophylactic measures to counteract the, the uh, cardiac effects. But uh, without any therapy, there is an increased risk with age increasing from around teenage and upwards that you, you have a risk of getting cardiac insufficiencies. And that is based on cardiomyopathy, which is the name for, for a condition where, when the cardiac muscle is simply weak. If you appear at the ER, for instance, do, do they have the knowledge of, uh, of the disease? If you come to the emergency room for, uh, for a condition related to Duchenne, they would definitely have a knowledge. Uh, usually then this would relate to coming to an emergency room at the pediatric uh, department. And there the, the doctors and the personnel are more used to seeing it. So there's an experience in, in seeing it. So, so th therefore you, you would um, uh, be met by, by at least some knowledge of the disease. Because I know some patients have an emergency card that they... Yes, it is, it is tr true. That, um, and it is very good to have such a card because uh, even if there is some knowledge, they may not pick it up immediately and here is an emergency. You want immediately to, to get people around you informed what is relevant for this condition. So, so it is actually a very good idea to carry such a card, even if you have some experienced uh, doctors uh, in that ward. And even so that the, that the doctors there have, have seen and met Duchenne, it is still such a rare condition that also there, um, it is, uh, you, you need a refreshment of, of uh, what is adequate to do and not to do. Who is usually the first one to recognize the symptoms? Before diagnosis, uh, I, in my experience, the, f the uh, ones who first recognize the symptoms, it is the parents. That is my experience. It may also be um, people at child care centers or uh, at um, ch child um, kindergartens who, who um, recognize uh, that there is uh, 
some difference between this boy and, and the other children in, in the child care center. Uh, but but uh, it is um, usually the parents themselves who note that, that uh, the um, development is not like it should be. If you suspect something is wrong, what is the next step? The next step would be early, once the suspicion has been raised, to take a blood test for CK, creating kinase. So that's a muscle-specific uh, compound that is uh, highly elevated if you have Duchenne muscular dystrophy. It is not specific for Duchenne muscular dystrophy, but it is a very good first uh, check to, to see if it is at all relevant to continue suspecting Duchenne muscular dystrophy or not. What is the status of the diagnosis age in Sweden? It is uh, at present uh, somewhere between four or five, I would think closer to five years old. And how is it compared to other countries in Europe? There is quite a spread from a little more than three up to eight years. Uh, and uh, we are somewhere around the, the, the middle. Uh, so, so five years is a common age of a diagnosis in Europe. What diagnosis age do you think we could strive for in the future? I think uh, we could strive for a diagnostic age much closer to the start of symptoms than we have now. So that would mean a little more than three years of age uh, is a goal that I would have for diagnosis. And how can we get there? Most importantly, I think, is to raise the awareness at all to, to think of the Shen muscular dystrophy. If you have a child, if you have a boy who is uh, deteriorating in motor functions, uh, who's not uh, running, jumping the way he should do, walking maybe with an abnormal gait, um, and if they're on top of that are some problems with language uh, development or behavioral problems, Absolutely, at early suspicion, take a CK test. With that simple measure, you can reduce the time of diagnosis dramatically, I think. The earlier you find out, the better the prognosis. Exactly. That is the key. How does the disease affect everyday life for the patients? Uh, the, the disease affects uh, everyday life in, in, uh, in different ways. Uh, we uh, have touched upon the various uh, uh, sort of organ systems or functions that are um, part of the disease. So if you have uh, uh, cognitive problems, if you have behavioral uh, uh, differences from, from the normal, then that can affect everyday life very, very much. In some uh, cases, maybe that is even more important uh, than the uh, difficulties to walk and run. Uh, in other boys, maybe that uh, is the most difficult with, with the mo motor function. So simply not being able to, to walk, of course, it uh, affects uh, the boy's life. You get more dependent on help. You get more uh, dependent on uh, having help to move from one place to the other, to, to do tasks, um, to, with time, uh, to, to lift things, uh, to um, even to, to eat or prepare food, and uh, many of the daily 
uh, activities are affected because of the difficulties to um, uh, have enough muscle strength to, to do these daily tasks. What is working well today when it comes to early diagnosis? I think that uh, once you have raised the suspicion and taken the CK test, from that point of on, uh, I see in general that it works very well. That is that you get a quick referral to a child neurologist uh, who in turn very quickly refers for genetic tests. And the genetic test is uh, uh, responded to in an adequate time, uh, in a good manner. So we get uh, sort of full coverage of the different uh, genetic uh, alterations that can be possible. Uh, and you would get uh, fairly early feedback from the referring child neurologist, uh, what is the cause, and if it is Duchenne muscular dystrophy, uh, a definitive diagnosis, and take it from there when it comes to what can we do when it comes to, to therapy. And what can be done to make the diagnosis earlier? First of all, think Duchenne muscular dystrophy. If there is uh, the slightest suspicion in aberrations in the motor development from near normal to uh, losing functions. And uh, as soon as you have that suspicion, a simple CK test uh, would make the, uh, the whole difference in uh, keeping the suspicion for a genetic test to confirm it or saying that, uh, no, it was not at all Duchenne muscular dystrophy. That would uh, decrease the time drastically, sometimes more than a year. You could uh, win in time by such a simple test. How is the Swedish system with childcare centers compared to other systems in other countries in Europe? I'm not fully informed about uh, the systems in, in all European countries. I know that uh, in the other Nordic countries and uh, the Baltic countries, there are similar systems like our child care center. Uh, not exactly the same, but they carry out uh, basically the, the, the same control systems like we do for, uh, for example, for motor development uh, checkups at uh, three years or four years and five years and, or something similar like that. Today we're at Karolinska Sjukhuset in Stockholm where you work. When do the patients come to you? The most uh, common way of coming to, to us is uh, uh, by a referral from uh, a child doctor. Uh, it could be also a general practitioner working at this child care center. Could be also a child neurologist working in another place. M most of the cases uh, have referred when they have a suspicion of uh, Duchenne muscular dystrophy. It is uh, in the best scenario after taking a CK test, they could have already referred to genetic testing, but at least they have raised the suspicion that this could be the case. And um, then they come with uh, a diagnosis if they have already done the genetic testing or with a suspicion if they did not yet do it. We also get more general referrals uh, from, uh, and that is then mostly from, from uh, 
not child doctors or child neurologists, but from, from uh, general practitioners who more generally ask, could this be some kind of neuromuscular disorder? So there has been a raise of awareness. Actually, yes, the, there is. And, and it is uh, it's not at all um, difficult to understand that the awareness uh, is slow. It is a rare dis disorder. So if you're not... Um, working uh, with this particular group of disorders, you may not see uh, anyone with Duchenne muscular dystrophy during your whole uh, life, a professional life. So I think it's, an, it's a natural situation that it is like that, but uh, even so, that make it, makes it even more important that we inform uh, those of us who work with this, inform to raise the suspicion in uh, professions where you don't meet this as often. As it could be? Uh, like, for example, orthopedic surgeons, could be physiotherapists, it could be uh, general practitioners working at child care centers who, who may very rarely, sometimes not at all, see any children with this. But when they do see this child, we would, of course, like um, that uh, this uh, professional then has in the back of his or her head that could this be Duchenne? And this simple having in the back of your head, uh, if that then quickly alerts the CK test, we have really gained a lot of time. Do you give the results from the genetic testing to the families? Yes, it is usually I who do that. This is done differently in different places. In, in some countries and places, it is more the, the geneticist who gives the uh, results um, to the patients. But uh, we prefer to do it as uh, clinicians uh, working with the muscle diseases here locally. The disease was actually named 150 years ago. Yes, it, uh, it was named after a French doctor, uh, Duchenne. And uh, he um, had noted uh, a number of patients who followed the same course, all of them boys, and uh, they all followed this course that we n now know, but was not described then, of losing abilities uh, in walking, in running, uh, losing motor functions. And actually, at that time, when there was no treatment, they uh, unfortunately then also died very early because of these problems that you get with the respiratory function, with the cardiac function. So he was the first one to describe this, and uh, it was later found, much later, that it is due to uh, a genetic change in, in uh, this gene, dystrophin, one of the absolutely largest genes we have in our um, genetic material. How did you come to work with Duchenne muscular dystrophy? I came into this uh, field uh, actually Back long ago, uh, I started uh, doing research before becoming a pediatric neurologist, actually. I started with very basic research on muscle development. And when I was a young resident in pediatric neurology, I very early uh, was asked to, to build up a team for neuromuscular disorders. And um, Duchenne muscular dystrophy is one of the more important and, and bigger groups within the group of neuromuscular disorders. So that is how I first uh, 
met and, and started working with Duchenne muscular dystrophy. What is the most important thing to do to raise awareness? I think to raise the suspicion at all, at all to think Duchenne muscular dystrophy. So that means back to the age three, four, five, to see who does the boy meet then who could have the suspicion. And the childcare centers is one of the key features here, I think. So um, to raise the awareness there is a mission I think we, we must really work with to have projects where we make it possible to screen for CK, to make it easier to see if this early suspicion would lead to early diagnosis. This pod, Take on Duchenne, what you need to know about Duchenne muscular dystrophy, has been produced by Koma, and my name is Maria Mattel Suomalainen. The podcast has been produced with financial support from PTC Therapeutics.